0: I'm excited about this morning. I'm excited about this day. I think this is—we've uh, looked back on these several times in my almost six years now in these in these meetings right here. Let me say this: so this is our annual business meeting. We're we're tying it together with our service, but we're going to have a business meeting here in a moment, uh, in just a few moments, and uh, in a, in a few a few moments, um, we're going to have our business meeting. But I've never I've never been in a church that had the, the, the peace and the unity that we have in these business meetings. How many of you, raise your hand, if you've ever been to a church where the, you, you, you'd go to a fight and hope that a business meeting broke out? <laughs> you know, that's what would happen. It, would just, it was just going to be a fight. And there, and there was people who wanted to fight about every little thing. And, and so I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail. We vote on the budget. That's one of the things that we vote on. And that's one of the things we're going to vote on this morning. Uh, but we don't vote on a whole lot. We function by that budget and, and leadership within those and uh, it great, brings great peace and great harmony within our fellowship that we're not having a discussion about should the piano be sitting here or sitting here. You start putting out options and then, and then you're instantly dividing people. We don't have that. We don't have that kind of a, a fight here. And I praise God for that peace and unity. Amen. So I'm going to ask you if you would turn this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Mark that spot. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Mark that spot. And then I also want you to turn to, math, uh, to Luke chapter 7, and just mark in there. We're going to get to each one this morning. We're, we're going to start in, in Matthew, so mark, 20, uh, mark uh, your spot there in 22 verse, uh, chapter 22 and chapter 28. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now I'm amazed at how many times I hear that verse in regards to Christian leaders who make that verse be about their vision. It's about what they think we should do. Where there is no vision. Where me, the mighty, you know, I'm the all-knowing one. Where there's no vision, the people perish. That's not what this is talking about at all. Vision here is not some man's idea of what he wants to do. Vision here is the preaching, teaching, revelation, proclamation of the word of God. That's what this is, the Scripture is talking about. Where there is no preaching of the Word of God, there's no teaching of the Word of God, there's no presenting and proclaiming the Word of God, no living by the Word of God, the people perish. And there's problems that come with that. Uh, where there is no preaching of God's Word, the people perish. They throw off restraint. The flesh runs wild. People go crazy. And there's sin, 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 sin. I mean, that's what we have. That's the power of the preaching of the Word of God. It changes hearts. It changes lives. It changes communities. That's why Satan works so hard to undermine the Word of God. It works so hard to make people doubt the Word of God. Well, It's not true. It's just an archaic book. It is the words that we have for life today. Life today and life eternal. Um, we as a church, folks, we as a church will continue to be a church that is grounded in the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Look, the day I get away from the Word of God, y'all run my tail out of here. Okay? We will. I know. <laughs> Goes for you too. John, all our deacon, any of us. I mean, we're going to function by the Word of God. And I know you will do that. And you need to do that. It needs to be we are grounded in the Word of God. And so our vision, our vision statement, our mission statement, our purpose statement, it's not what I think it should be. I know there are churches where the pastor dictates everything. That's not the way we function. Uh, this, This vision statement we have is not my statement. It's not about me. Nor is it what the elders think it should be. Okay, the vision, mission, purpose statement is what God has revealed to us. And I say us, it's not just to Geneva. It's really what he has revealed to us as believers, all the body of Christ throughout the world. I believe our vision is right in line with what God has for all of us as believers. And it, and it comes from his word and, and, it's, and it's something that as he has revealed to us, is something that we must do. Now, you can't really see it over here, but you've seen it. And here's the problem with it's up there all the time is we go, if I, if I ask a lot of you what's up there on the left side of the wall, uh, I don't remember. Because we don't, we don't pay attention to it, right? Because it's up there every week. Same thing with the verse over here. Or the cross, it becomes a part of it. It just blends in. But our mission statement is up here. This is our mission statement, our vision statement, our purpose statement. All that is tied up in this statement. And that statement is this. It's loving God Loving people, serving the world. Now, boy, that sounds, that's catchy, preacher. That's, that's really good. You guys did a great job coming up with that. No, we didn't. We didn't come up with that. God came up with that. So there's two key passages that are the basis of this statement. And those come, The this statement comes from, and where we bring this from, is the great commandment and the great commission. Okay, we're, You're all familiar with that, but we're going we're to look at the great commandment first. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Chapter 22, 37 through 39. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It pretty much captures everything about who we are. Jesus says, and he's he's re-quoting, what, the, the, what was said in the Old Testament, and, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He says this is the first and great commandment. Someone to come and challenge him. What, what is the greatest commandment? Here is what he says. Here is the greatest commandment: to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and we can add strength. That's in one of the other gospels: heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything that we are, we're to love God with that. Now, if we do that, let me tell you what that is, folks. That's worship. See, we got this idea, it's an American idea in a lot of places, that worship is the the 10 or 20 or an hour of music and the emotionalism and the raising of the hands, and and it doesn't have to be that. I mean, worship, when we come in here and we, we had two songs that we just sang, we're worshiping, right? When we get to the Word of God, you know what we're doing? We're worshiping. When we have prayer, you know what we're doing? We're worshiping. When we give of our tithes and offerings, we don't pass the plate in here. We don't, we don't have to beg for money. You are a giving people. We've got boxes by each of the doors, and folks drop their offerings in there. You know what you're doing when you do that? That's exactly right. You're worshiping. But it doesn't end there. When you leave here and get in your car and drive down the road and you have an interaction on the highway, you know what you do? Hopefully, you worship. <laughs> Or or you may repent, and and then you worship, okay? But but listen, worship is our whole life. And when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that's worship. The way we live our lives in loving Him is worship. All of that captures that. And the second is like it. Now, you understand these two commandments here really capture the Ten Commandments, but it captures all the commandments, all the law, all the prophets are combined in this because the Lord says if you do this, if you do this, you're going to fulfill them all. If you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you fulfill the first, is it the first four commandments? If you, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to fulfill the, the last six commandments. You're going to, you're going to fulfill all of the law and prophets. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Folks... We've talked about worship, loving the Lord our God. That's ministry. When we love our neighbors ourselves. that's ministry. Now let's look at the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18. We'll start with verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And that word authority is interesting because authority means this. It's the right to use power. Jesus was God, but he had been given authority. He was given all authority had been given to him in heaven and and on earth, he has authority. So Jesus has the authority to use his power, and he gave his instructions. You know, there's, there's times that we understand authority in this way. Somebody says, well, now we need you to go do so-and-so and so-and-so. And you go, you don't have authority to tell me to do that. We hear that in your own know, jobs. See, you're, not, you're not the boss of me. And What they're saying is you don't have authority to tell me to do that. That's, that's what that's about. Jesus had all authority. And as our Savior, He has authority to, to give us instruction, and He gives us instruction. He says in verse 19, He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, that right there, folks, is evangelism. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's, that's evangelism. And he can, the verse continues baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's fellowship. When we baptize, we're baptizing into fellowship and we want to bring folks in. We go out, and we evangelize, and we, we see people come to faith in Christ, and we get them into church. They begin to be discipled, and, and they get baptized. They're, 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 they're identifying with Christ. It's bringing them into fellowship. That's fellowship. Verse 20, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now, that's discipleship, okay? Now, here's the thing. You can't make a disciple without making first making a convert. Right. But you cannot... You cannot just say that discipleship is evangelism. There are some that it's all about evangelism. We just go out and we win the loss, win the loss, win the loss, and there's no discipleship on the backside. The command here is to go and make disciples. Now, if you're going to make disciples, you've got to first you know, make converts. You've got to evangelize. So discipleship making goes hand in hand. Discipleship and evangelism go hand in hand. You can't have a fish fry if you don't go out and catch them first, right? So it's that idea. You go out, you win the lost, you get them into fellowship, and you disciple them. And that's what the Scriptures tell us, what God tells us to do. And so, so that, that's, that's our walking orders. And He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? And that right there is fact. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's going to go with us through this. He's commanded us and told us what to do. He's told us to love Him, to love people, and serve the world. Get out here and care about people. Win people to the Lord. Disciple them and get them involved in church. Help them to grow in their love for me. And uh, He promises that He'll be with us everywhere we go, whatever we do. And when we're acting in obedience to Him, He is with us. These two passages give us our marching orders. We believe a great commitment... We believe a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will grow a great church. Some of you have been through our membership class. I use that quote in there. And it's when there's a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, we are to go make disciples. When we take that serious, we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbor self. We take that serious. When we live this out, you know what happens? Inevitably, we're going to grow a great church because that is God's will. And when we do God's will, God's way, he's going to bless. And I believe that's what we're seeing. We're seeing God bless in our church. So again, there are five key areas that Christians and churches are to focus on. To love the Lord your God with all your heart is worship. To love your neighbor as yourself is ministry. To go make disciples is evangelism. To baptize is to incorporate into fellowship. And to teach them all things is discipleship. Now, Christianity, when we just read that, Christianity is a mission faith. It is a missional, missionary faith. We don't have a faith if you get saved and just come and sit. That's not what our faith teaches. We are to, to grow and we're to, to win others. We're to tell others. It's, it's a missional faith. The very nature of God demands this, for God is love. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, "...the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." How many how many out there does God want to come to repentance all oh. oh. our Lord's death on the cross was for the whole world uh, it, w- it wasn't for a few his death was for the whole world if we are the children of God and share his nature then we will want to tell the good news to this lost world that'll be our heart now that Greek verb there that's translated go and I don't you, you we have different translations uh, in here um, Most would say go there. I don't know of any that translate it as you are going. But that's the proper, that would be the proper translation of that. Because the word, the verb that is translated go there in verse 19, it's actually not a command. It's a present participle and it means going or as you are going. The idea is the Lord's saying, look, going, going, you make disciples what he was saying. That's in the language. Going, you make disciples. He's saying as you are going, as you are living your life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you live out your faith and you're there to tell others about Jesus. The only command in the entire Great Commission is this. It is to make disciples of all nations. Now, all of that is in that. The going. I mean, you can't make disciples sitting. So you got to go. You got to get out. So as you're going, Glenn, as you're out and you're spraying people's homes, as you're going, make disciples. Have opportunities to witness. Ben, when you're out there installing a door on a job somewhere or estimating a job, you have opportunity to run into people or your employees. Folks, as we are living life, we should be sharing our faith. We should be making disciples. That's the command. Now, all that other, the, the, the evangelism, it's part of making disciples. The, the baptizing into fellowship, that's a part of this, making disciples. Teaching them all things, that's exactly what discipleship is. Is teaching them all things. So all of this, the command for us is to make disciples. Jesus said, while you're going, make disciples of all nations. No matter where you are, we should be witnesses for Jesus Christ and seek to win others to him. Now, the vision, let me, let me, I'm going to venture off because, actually, let me tell you what I'm doing here. So, so I had a part we were going to talk about in missions in the part to come. And I want to bring it in right here because it fit in this part of the message. As we're talking about being missional, I want to talk to you about where we are with missions in our church, state of the church. Let's talk about where we are real quick. Now, two years ago, two years ago, we stood in here at our, at our, at our vision meeting, state of the church address. We stood in here and, and we shared some, we cast some vision. Let me say it that way. So I stood up here and we cast vision for holding our first mission conference. Y'all remember us talking about that? We hadn't done a mission conference here. We hadn't done missions that way here. And so we cast that vision. The Lord had led our hearts for I don't know, four years. We'd been the Lord had been working on us as an elder council and praying through this. And we come to this place where we realize, man, we've got to do more. In the area of mission giving and then sort of supporting missionaries and who we support. There's a whole lot more out there than just Southern Baptist missionaries, and we do a lot in that. But we, we talked about doing this first mission conference and starting a mission fund funded through faith promise. Remember us talking about that? Some of you may even remember the first time I said faith promise, and you're like, What? What? We all understand what faith promise is now. It's it's giving above our tithes and offerings to the mission budget. It's our faith giving to support that, that giving to the mission. Uh, budget. So we, we talked about funding that through faith promise giving and then taking on new missionaries and missions uh, to support financially. Now, so let me let me talk about where we were two years ago. Now, now here, back up. Now here's what we have done uh, since I've been here. And I don't know how long y'all have done this before I got here. Um, but the church gives we tithe. I think it'd be ridiculous for a church to expect the, the membership to give financially. And, and then we don't give. We give, and we, I think every member, if you're truly a member of this church, you ought to be giving to the church. You ought to be financially giving to this ministry and this work. Well, our church gives. We give 11%. Every dollar that you give... 11% off the top goes to, to missions. And here's how it's broken down. 7% goes to the Florida Baptist Convention. 4% goes to our local Baptist Association. Okay, so 11% is going to the Great Commission right off the top. So I'll give you an idea where that is this year. You'll see budget numbers in a little bit. But to date, the 7% going to the Florida Baptist Convention is 42500 roughly that we've given ...to the Great Commission through the Florida Baptist Commission. Now, they take that money. They do work in Florida... But half of everything they get, 51% actually, goes up to the Southern Baptist Convention, which is then used to support the seminaries and support the IMB, the International Mission Board. And some of that also goes to the North American Mission Board. And some of that is given out of the state of Florida to the North American Mission Board, which is church planting. Church planting in North America, church planting all over the world. That's what we're given to. That's what we're part of. 42,500 to date. 4% to our local association. That's Glenn Rogers and the work that's being done in, in our area, Volusia County and Seminole County. $24,300 24300 to date. That's our local association. Now, let's talk about faith, promise, giving. So we, had, we started this with our mission conference a year and a half ago in 2022, May of 2022. And we gave, we committed and we gave the, the rest of 2022, we gave $36,000 faith, promise, giving. I didn't know if we'd get $5,000 or $10,000 or what we would get you know, above our... But you have just proven again and again and again that you understand the Great Commission. You understand God's calling and you are a giving people. I mean, it blows me away that we gave $36,000 last year to Faith Promise Giving. This year, to date, we're at $40,400 that are given. So that creates, that money creates our our Faith Promise mission. It's our mission account that now we can go out and support other missionaries with. And that's over, if you look at just total it up real quick, it's $107,000 given to missions this year. $107,000. This is a little church. This isn't, we're not cross life. We're not, we're not central. We're we're run, we average 165, I think right now is what we're averaging this year. 65 or so, 165 in our, in our worship service. Uh, $107,000. We're giving as much as the church I went to when I first went on staff that was running $1,100. And we were giving about $110,000 a year to missions, and the pastor trumpeted forever and ever and ever, we're going to give a million dollars a year to missions. I'm going to lead us to a million dollars a year in, in mission giving. They never did. They never went any more than that. Folks, I, I, I would love for us to give a million dollars a year in mission giving. Amen? Amen? Amen. I mean, that, if God blesses in that way, hallelujah. So what we're doing right now, $2,000 a month. So we had no budget a year and a half ago for mission giving extra Right now, we're doing $2,000 a month that we're supporting other missionaries with. So when we go into that mission conference two years ago, or a year and a half ago, we were already supporting Stephen Carolyn Crockett and the Crisis Pregnancy Center. We were supporting two missionaries. We come out of that, that mission conference, we have our Faith Promise Giving, and we took on the, the Todd Brain and his family, we took them on, and we took on retired missionaries Lynn White and uh, Marvin and Chris Crockett. So we go to five missionaries. We went from two to five a year ago, a, year, a little over a year ago. Then, let's fast forward a year ago right now. A year ago right now, we were supporting seven missionaries because in the fall, I think it was in August, we took on two other works. We took on Cammie Jalbert, who's over in Thailand, and we took on an individual named Steve Howell and uh, who's with a company, a country, in, uh, a ministry in Africa, okay? So we had seven at that point. Fast forward to our mission conference this past May. We had seven going in. We, we had our faith promise giving. It was strong. We took on three more as we presented those works. We took on Brandon Crompton with FCA here locally. We took on the Earhart family who are with Ethnos 360 going to Papua, Indonesia. And we took on the gospel film that is broadcasting the gospel message into countries all over the world through Facebook ads and stuff and so we're supporting that ministry. That took us to ten. Now I'll give you an update where we're at right now. We're at nine. And so I'll tell you what we did. We didn't bring this to the church for a vote. We didn't we didn't feel like it needed to be brought to the church for a vote. But one of the missionaries we took on a year ago and we said we would evaluate year to year. But what we found was there were some doctrinal issues with him. He had said some things to us up front that were not true in the way he was actually functioning as a missionary in the field. And so he was doing things and supporting works that we doctrinally would not support. And he wasn't communicating. So we dropped him as a missionary. So we're right now at nine. We're at nine right now. We have three missionaries in the queue. I'll say it that way. They're lined up like airplanes ready to land. I got them lined up. And in the next three months, this month, next month, and the month after, you're going to meet those three missionaries. In fact, we're going to meet one of them next week. We're going to have to do a Zoom call. But we're going to let you meet that missionary, and then we're going to, you're going to devote on whether we should support them or not. We're going to present them to you, let you hear what's going on. So here's the potential. Our mission committee has vetted them. They're ready to go. Here's what we have. We're two years into this program, and we have the potential of having 12 missionaries and mission works that we're supporting on a monthly basis. Amen. Praise God, huh? Amen. I just say, give glory to God for that. Hallelujah. That's fantastic. I mean, that far, Raymond, I don't know about you, John, that blows me away. We we, we thought, Lord, what are you going to do in this? And look what he's done. I mean, it's just amazing. Okay. So that's where we're at with missions. Praise the Lord. We're going to keep preparing for the mission conference this year. I'm already excited about that in May again this year and seeing what God does. All right, so let's go back to this. The term, we are to go and make disciples. That's what we're to do as as believers. Now, the term disciples was the most popular term for the early believers. Being a disciple meant more than being a convert or a church member. Apprentice was actually a better word. It's a word that captured more of what a disciple was. A disciple attached himself to a teacher, identified with him, learned from him, and lived with him. He learned, not simply by listening, but also by doing. That's what it was to be a disciple. There was was intentional learning and commitment to that. Our Lord called 12 disciples and He taught them so that they might be able to teach others. So a disciple then is this. It's one who, through repentance and faith, has believed on Jesus Christ and expressed this faith by being baptized, remains in the fellowship of the believers that he might be taught the truths of the faith, and is thus... Trained to be able to go out and win others and teach them. That's the idea of being a disciple. Someone gets faith, gets saved, then they're, they're to connect with a church, a place where they can learn and they can grow and they can be fed and they can be encouraged. And as they learn, then they can go out and make disciples. That's the whole trend of this. It's the ultimate, um, it's the ultimate pyramid scheme. It's the ultimate. The Lord started network marketing long before anybody else did. He, 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 you know, it's the old Pert commercial. You, you tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so on, and so. On. Y'all remember that? I don't know if it was Pert, whatever. It was some shampoo. What was it? Okay. Well, I, I knew it was a shampoo. I. And they were boop, 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 multiplying. That's what we do, right? So we come to faith. We, we hear the Word of God. We're, we're convicted. and we, we come to faith in Him, and we're, we're then discipled. We need to be discipled. This church is going to be a discipling church. We're going to continue to teach. Amen. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday morning over there in small groups, all these places. We're learning. We're growing. We're helping you to grow that's the pattern. That was the pattern in the New Testament then. We're a New Testament church today. That's the pattern of what this is about. So, how do we do this? And we're getting close to landing this. How do we do this? How can we do this? How, how do we love like this? Well, it all starts when we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It starts there. Because if we don't love God, we're not going to love others. If we don't love God, we're not going to care about evangelism. If we don't love God, we're not going to trust God. and We're not going to be obedient to God. It starts with loving God. And, and, and you know what? Your love can, it can be... I don't want to get ahead of myself. So how do we love God? 1 John 4, 19 says we love Him because He first loved us. The only reason we can love God is because He loved us. Because He loves us now. It's the only way we can love Him. But here, here's an interesting, Luke chapter 7. I'm just going to read this, and a few little statements I'm going to make, and then we're going to close this part in prayer, and we're going to move on to the next part in this, in this service. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, speaking of Jesus. And Jesus, he and he, Jesus, went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... Okay, she wasn't, at that point, she wasn't born again at this point. She was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisees' house, she brought an alabaster flask, an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet. "'Behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears "'and wiping them with her, the hair of her head, "'and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. "'Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, "'he spoke to himself, saying, now he didn't say this out loud. "'He's saying this in his mind. The Lord knew. He said, "'And, and he says, this man, speaking of Jesus, "'if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is "'who is touching him, for she is a sinner.'" What he, didn't, what he didn't understand is he also knows what manner of man you are, Pharisee, and the wickedness of your heart and the sinfulness and deceitfulness of your heart and your judgmental spirit and looking down on this woman. Wow, he didn't, he, he, didn't grasp, he didn't grasp any of that. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely gave them, uh, forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. So he's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Well, that was customary. It would have been the basic thing to do. The common courtesy would have been to wash Jesus' feet when he come in the house, a guest in his house. He didn't bother that. But Jesus said, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same love, loves little. That's an, that's an important thought right there. Now understand, she didn't, she didn't have this great love for Jesus and then come to Jesus out of her great love to be saved. She obviously had heard the truth, and the Holy Spirit of God had impressed on her heart that Jesus was her only hope. She understood her sinfulness. You see her humble heart as she comes to the Lord, as she's just broken and she pours out in tears and washing his feet. She's like, she understands. He is the only hope that she has in this point. It is her faith, and Jesus even says as much. But he's telling Simon, he says, "...but to whom little is forgiven..." The same loves little. The implication of that is he who has been forgiven much will love much, right? Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now I want to ask you something. Do we have... Are there different levels of lostness? So like are some people as sinners, some people were sinners, right? So some of us, and here's the mentality we get sometimes. Somebody, man, their testimony is so powerful. I wish I had a testimony of being saved out of prostitution and drugs and, and, and all of that and thievery. I wish that were my testimony. Well, I don't wish that was my testimony, <laughs> But that we, glor- we, we think sometimes, here, here's the mentality. We feel like there's this hierarchy of lostness. Well, I was, you know, that person, they were probably only like 2% lost. And that person there, they were really bad. They're like 87.5% lost. You, you see where I'm getting at? Is there, is there a hierarchy in our lostness? No, if you're lost, you're lost. So I tell people, you know, it, it, no one is, is, is less, they're, they're going to less go to hell than anyone else that doesn't know Jesus. If we don't know Jesus, we're 100% lost, 100% going to hell. Amen? Amen. That's the truth of it. So, so there is no different hierarchy. There aren't different levels of this, okay? So, so the forgiveness, so does Jesus only forgive part of it when we get saved? No. He forgives everything. At salvation, all my sin, past, present, future, is forgiven. It's all done, right? So really, he's not going to forgive any more of my sin later on. It's already forgiven when I come into faith with him. You with me? You follow that? All right, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Our love, we're talking about how do we love God, because that's where it all starts. How do we love God? Our love is proportional to our understanding of forgiveness. Our love isn't proportional to our forgiveness. He's forgiven everything. And if you're born again, every one of us that's, born in, that's in here that's been born again, all your sin is forgiven. Amen. All of it. Amen. All of it is forgiven. And nobody is more forgiven than someone else. So there is not this, well, I was so lost. I love Jesus more than all of y'all because he forgave me so much more. No, our love for Jesus isn't proportional to our forgiveness. Our love of Jesus, our love of God is proportional to our understanding of that forgiveness. Amen. You with me? That's why discipleship is so important. Because I'll tell you, I know a whole lot more today about God's love, about my lostness, than I did the day I got saved. The day I got saved, I didn't know a whole lot. I just, I just learned I'm lost. I, the Holy Spirit convicted me you're lost, you're going to hell. But I've made a way, and it's through my son Jesus. And God convicted my heart of my sin, and he called me, and I, and I repented, and I called out to God, and I gave, I gave Jesus, I put my faith in him, and he saved me that day. Now, I love Jesus, and I love God. I love them more today than I did that day. And it's not because they've forgiven anymore. I was just as forgiven that day as I am today. Amen? But here's what's not the same is my understanding of my sin and their forgiveness. That's what's changed. That's, all right, where's, is Susan in here? Right in front of me. Okay. I want to use Susan as an illustration. I ask her permission to do this. So Susan, when you first came to the church, it's been, you came right after I did. So, almost six years now. Um, when y'all first came to the church, did you love Jesus? You love God. You love Jesus. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, love, do you love Jesus more today than you did six years ago? Yes. Now, why is that? I have a and what brought that desire to learn more about His Word? More more about his word. Learning more about His Word. Yes. Folks, that's why... Discipleship is so important. We win them to the Lord and we teach them. We help them to grow in understanding of what God did in their life. And as they grow in their understanding of His forgiveness, of their sinfulness, there are people that think, well, I wasn't that bad. Oh, you were real bad. You were real bad. You were going to hell. That's how bad you were. And He forgave that. We can't have that And and the more we learn about God, the more we learn about our sinfulness, just how gross and disgusting our sin was and what it cost our Savior to redeem us. Boy, as we understand that, we grow. And we grow in our love. And when we grow in our love for God, we grow in our love for people. We grow in our love to be obedient to what God's told us to do and going to make disciples. Amen. Amen? Amen. Folks, that's our vision as a church. That's our vision, our mission, our purpose statement. It all runs through that right there of what God has told us to do. Father, thank you for our time in your word. Thank you for the truth you've given us. And, uh, Lord, I thank you for a church that I believe with all my heart. We have a church, a body right here that is seeking to live out the great commission and the great commandment. Lord, in areas where we're falling short as a church, Reveal that to us. Give us wisdom that, Father, we can correct those things. And for us individually, Lord, I pray that you would, you would reveal that to us. May we today have a better understanding of, of our sinfulness and of your love for us and what it cost you to save us. God, may we have a better understanding of that so we can love you deeper. So that we'll, be, we'll, we'll love you, we'll love our neighbors, we'll witness to our neighbors, we'll see our neighbors and friends and family come to faith in Christ, we'll help them to grow in their faith, help them to grow in their understanding of you, their sinfulness and your love for them, that they would grow in their love for you, that then they would go out and desire to make other disciples. Lord, it is, it is, it is simple, but it is complex. Help us, Lord, to just be obedient to do what you've told us to do as a body of Christ and as individuals. Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.